Good morning. I regret that we're not gathered together in person for worship here at Heritage. We are in the church building right now and we are gathered together in spirit. I noticed a considerable number last Sunday that were gathered around their personal computers. Thank you so much for telling us that you did enjoy the worship service last Sunday. I thank you for your patience and understanding as we endure together the most responsible course of action for our congregation and our community. By the way, on heritagecoc.org website, there's a smorgasbord of recent and not so recent worship services. At Heritage Church of Christ, we love visitors. Please sign on, on this, at this website, and also you can visit our webpage on Facebook. The announcement slides rotate before and after this broadcast. Call the church office if you need anything. Please join us now as we begin singing well-known songs. Your voice of praise is about to be heard in the halls of heaven. Let's sing together. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never If you'll bow with me, we'll have a prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the day you've blessed us with. We're 
at this time especially thankful for our health. We thank you for taking care of us. We thank you for this country we live in. We thank you for the freedoms we enjoy. We thank you for this beautiful time of the year. Our country is in a turmoil right now. And dear Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for the world. We pray for all those people who are dealing with the consequences of this virus. This time we ask you to be with our mayors who take care of our local cities and be with our governors who make the decisions for our state, be with our president and our legislature who make the decisions for our whole country. Bless them in the decisions they make, dear Lord. Help us to be willing to work with those decisions they make and just realize that this is a tough time for a lot of folks. We ask you to be with those people who are working so hard at this time, especially our healthcare workers and all those people on the front lines of exposing themselves to, to dangers every day. We ask you to be with the first responders, the policemen and the firemen and all uh, ambulance drivers and all those people again who are exposing themselves to so many dangers every day. Be with the grocery store workers who keep the shelves stocked for us. Be with the restaurant workers, so many of them have lost their jobs, and be with all those people who have lost their jobs at this time. And just, just bless them, the Lord. Help them to be patient. Help us to be aware of those people who do need help. We thank you especially right now for the truck drivers who work so hard to keep these items in the stores so we can get our medicine, so we can get our groceries, so we can get the, the things that we need for everyday life. Dear Lord, we pray especially for our church family. We ask you to be with all of our members, especially those who might be in isolation right now, not because of medical reasons, but just isolation because they can't see their family and they can't visit with their neighbors. Just help us to be willing to reach out to them and be aware of those needs. Dear Lord, we have several in our church family who have requested prayers, and we, we pray for Jane Davis. We pray for Jackie LaBarbera. We pray for Gwendolyn Lampley, for Nancy Leeton, for Kay McClellan. We're thankful that she's gotten through her treatments and just bless her complete recovery, dear Lord. Be with Catherine McKay, struggling with a broken arm. Be with Earl and Joan Priest. Be with Pat Reeves and keep her healthy and her the facilities she's had so many problems in Gallatin. Be with Lita Robinson, who's finally gotten to go home. Be with Craig Wells with all of his struggles. Be with Donna Wood as she struggles with her back and be with Wilson and Barbara Vaden. So many people outside our church family who have connections have asked for prayers and we, dear Lord, we ask you to be with Francis Burns. We ask you to be with Kevin Davis, Denise and Richard Ellis, for Brian Jasso, for the May family, for Gordon McDaniel, for Gordon Mayfield, and be with Maud Parks, Sandra Pearson, Ashley Smedley, Robert Thurman, Dan and Susan Wilson. And dear Lord, this time, especially be with our heritage shut-ins, those who can't receive visitors right now and, and even their family are having to struggle to visit them. Be with Francis Binkley and Jack Hensley and Diane Holt, Fran House, Gwendolyn Lampley, Mary Margaret Marley, Adi Pewitt, again, Earl and Joan Priest, and Pat Reeves, Beverly Speak, Christine Slaughter, and Josephine Wright. Dear Lord, we thank you for taking care of us, and we ask your blessings on each family here. 
We ask you to continue to bless us and at this time, especially to keep us healthy. And it's in Jesus' name we offer this prayer. Amen. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 16. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. Lord, the people praise you. Azure blue, a God from
Mark chapter 5, verse 37 to 43. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion of people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. They went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl. I say you get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. This they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and that told and told her, I mean, told them to give her something to eat.
would like to read a few verses from John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. This was right after the cleansing of the temple by Jesus. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Their faith was made stronger thinking about the resurrection. Our faith is built on the resurrection of Christ. He instituted the Lord's Supper in order that we might remember that sacrifice each and every week when we gather to worship him. Now let us give thanks for the bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your son to die on the cross. We do not understand your ways. We do not understand all of the things that happen to us. We don't understand the good things. We don't understand the bad things. But we do believe in you, and we know that your son has been resurrected and our sins are forgiven. And we're grateful for the opportunity to take this bread that represents the body that he sacrificed on our behalf. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us now give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Heavenly Father, once again, we are grateful for the sacrifice that you, your son made for us. We're grateful for this opportunity to partake of this fruit of the vine that represents the blood that he shed on our behalf. For we know that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Help us to think back to the cross the suffering and the agony that he went through in order that we might be saved and that we might have realistic hope of spending an eternity with you. For this we are indeed grateful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is the time that we have set aside to return a portion of the blessings that God has given to us back to the work of the church. We can't do it the normal way this week again, but the ways that you can contribute are on the screen in front of you, and we ask that you take advantage of that. Remember that the work of the church goes on, even though we're not meeting together every week. And the expenses go on, and we need to continue to support this work. I ask you to do that at this time.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for blessing us in all the ways that you do. We thank you for allowing us the privilege and the opportunity to give back to you a portion of the things that you so greatly blessed us with. We ask that uh, this money will be used in accordance with your will to spread the borders of your kingdom and to support those that need to be supported. Be with us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Lord, we come before thee now. singing is beautiful. Thank you for singing at home, even though you're the only person in the room, or maybe there are only two or three people. Thank you for singing along praises to God and telling him thanks for his son, Jesus. You know, there's nothing that I want more in the year 2020 than a return to the simple things of life. I want to go visit friends in their homes. I want to shake someone's hand firmly, put my arm around someone. I want to look at that lady's necklace or perhaps her earring and I want to tell her that is beautiful you look lovely we can't do any of those things right now I'm looking forward to, to getting back to work and I know our that our kids are looking forward to getting back to school to their friends and to their classmates to go next door and visit with neighbors a man in our neighborhood enjoys going around pe pulling people's trash cans off the curb after they've been collected and one individual said, please don't touch my clean garbage can again. You know, you can't even do small kindnesses for people today. What do we want? How do you describe what we, deserve, what we desire more than anything else right now? We want things the way they used to be. And the Bible calls that resurrection. Resurrection from the grave is 
really saying going back to the Garden of Eden. You know, the Bible is the story of resurrection. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Perfection, and we have been looking for perfection ever since. But what does perfection look like? Already we've heard two readings today. First of all, the story of Jesus going to the town of Nain, and there he raised a widow's son from the grave as she was about to bury him in the, in the cemetery. This would have been her second trip to that cemetery. Years before, perhaps, she had buried her husband. She wanted resurrection every day. She thought about her young love and how she and her husband had a child. And that boy has grown up, but now he has died as well. She is looking for perfection. A second story that was read just a moment ago was from Mark 5, where Jesus walks into an upper room, and there he finds a little girl that has died. And there are these mourners that are weeping loudly and wailing. Jesus said, why all this commotion? The child is not dead, but asleep. And he took her by the hand and said, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. A 12-year-old little girl needs to play and run and be with her friends. She needed resurrection, and that's exactly what Jesus gave her on that occasion. Jesus mentioned his own resurrection 24 different times before he was even crucified in the four Gospels. And you know what's more important? Jesus actually raised people up who had died on these three occasions, and in doing so, he is teaching us a lesson of the importance of resurrection. Yes, I know next week is when the whole world will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's wonderful news. But on the other hand, we are all of us looking for resurrection in our lives. There is a third story of resurrection that occurred before Jesus' crucifixion. Our youth minister, Adam Bentley, is going to come and he's going to be reading from God's word. Please listen very carefully to this third resurrection story. Good morning. Today I'm going to be reading from John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thank you, Adam Bentley. Thank you for that reading. I think my favorite part was where right at the end, Jesus said, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. And my initial reaction has always been, go where? Did he have an appointment? Was he supposed to be somewhere? 
And the answer is, folks, let him go back to his normal life, to live out his days. That's the point of all three resurrection stories. They are all similar in this one way. The greatest enemy of mankind is death. Can anything on earth be done about death? And why did Jesus raise just a few people? Why didn't he just abolish death? See, we celebrate these resurrection stories because, first of all, all three of these occurred before the resurrection of Jesus. But when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was the Father's way of saying, Son, I accept your offer fully and completely for all mankind. If God did not approve, he would not have raised his son from the grave. Jesus just would have appeared right there in heaven and just continued on living. But he had a great victory over death. Some people say, why did Jesus raise just a few, these three people? Why didn't he just abolish death? Folks, I want you to understand, it was a large statement. I approve of my son. In him, I am well pleased. Folks, Jesus believed in resurrection. And I want you to know that he believed that he would be raised from the dead if he had to give his life, and he did. But what's the point of resurrection? Why is it even necessary? You know, there was a man that thought his wife and children had been killed on an aircraft crash over in California. When he finally learned the right information, there were no survivors in that crash. He thought that the flight, Flight 332, to Cleveland, Ohio, when it crashed, it was holding his wife and his children. He called the local funeral home, and the funeral homeowner said, are you sure? He said, I'm sure, no survivors. And this man spent the night, all of his dreams, all of the people that he loved were gone. Word got around small towns. The word went around that this man's family had all died in a crash. Finally, he decided that he would uh, go home and uh, just talk to people, let people talk to him. He was so blue. And then finally, the phone rang. And on the other end of the phone was his wife's voice. She said, it's me. We're okay. And then she said, we missed our flight back home, and we're about to board another plane home. Don't you know that that was a great family reunion when they all got home again? Don't you know that the tears of sadness became tears of joy? Beloved children and a wife that he thought were dead, they were actually alive again. They would come home again. This was the resurrection of a whole family. And in those days, back in the late 1970s, this story was aired all over the United States. Folks, the difference between this story that we have in our minds right now about this family and the experience of the disciples is they didn't see an airplane explode. They had to figure it out on their own. They actually saw Jesus on the cross. They saw him breathe his last. And the women stayed there all the way through the crucifixion. They actually saw his lifeless body put into the tomb. They didn't have to wonder about anything. There was no doubt Jesus had been crucified and placed in the tomb. Let me stop for just a moment. Life is full of disappointments. 
The apostles, they all quit their jobs. They all left their homes. They lived with Jesus on the road. And then suddenly they found themselves alone. Jesus died. They found themselves fully changed people. The fishermen became preachers and a tax collector became a man that went around healing people that were sick. He announced what Isaiah 61 prophesied. The poor receive good news. The lame walk for the first time ever. The dead are res resurrected from the grave. And the result is that these 12 individuals, they had everything in their lives totally changed. And they were living quite a life. But suddenly something happened. Death. Jesus died. All that Jesus had done, all his miracles, all of his promises, you'll be fishers of men. They didn't mean anything now. What were the 12 supposed to do? Why did Jesus heal this boy and heal this girl and revive, revive Lazarus and then allow himself to be killed? Folks, whenever you read that story of Jesus in the trial, it was a sham. And I'm not complaining about Pilate. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about the Roman soldiers that beat Jesus up. I'm talking about Jesus. He did nothing to defend himself. Last Sunday's worship was built around 1 Peter 2. And there it says, Jesus was reviled, but he did not return threatening words back to the soldiers or to the crowd or to Pilate or even to the chief priests or to God in heaven. He didn't blame God. He let himself die. Why? Why did Jesus allow himself to be killed? Why is God allowing us to suffer from this disease right now? Let me ask you this question. Have you had any thoughts about the good old days about a month and a half ago when life was easier, when it was simpler, when it was carefree, when everything was wonderful? All that talk about a new life seemed empty to these fishers of men. Now, being fishers of people no longer seemed relevant. The invitation to come and follow him had run into a dead end, or they thought it was a dead end. What are they supposed to do now? Jesus was dead. What are they going to do with their lives? They had no idea that Jesus was going to, in three days, rise from the tomb. When the women went in John 20, verse 1, went to the tomb. They fully expected to find a dead body there. They wanted to pour some perfume out of respect on Jesus' life. Jesus had been buried so quickly after his death, they didn't have a chance to thoroughly prepare the body. And they were amazed when they got to the tomb and they found the tomb was empty and there was an angel sitting there that said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He has risen indeed. This gave the women something to celebrate. Just like these three resur resurrection stories, they all made a huge difference in the lives of people. Now I want you to think about other so-called inspired books. Some people try to com compare the Bible to the Quran. The Quran was written by one man over a 22 year span. He claimed that the angel Gabriel told him everything that he had written down that God never spoke to him. The Bible was written by 40 authors over a 1500 year period. Most of them never knew or knew about one another. 
they all claimed that God was speaking to them and through them all through that period that they wrote. Jesus Christ himself testified to the truth of the Old Testament, which prophesied that the day would come when the Son of God would pay for the penalty of our sins. The disciples saw Jesus raise people from the dead. Why did he do that? I'll tell you why. Because we have to die, every one of us. Jesus wants us to be unafraid of death. Jesus, to men and women who would die before they would say Jesus was, was not alive, and here he is living again. The resurrection stories, these are not simple, made-up stories. This is in a book that talks about a real Roman Empire, an actual emperor named Caesar. The Apostle Paul, a Roman citizen, would write 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Resurrection makes all the difference. God wants to change the direction that you're heading right now. If you're living outside of the will of God, the power of Jesus Christ is to raise a boy up from death. To revive, to revive a little girl from death. To resurrect a man that's been four days buried in a tomb. Folks, Jesus knows how to change who you are and what you are. But we have to go through a death first. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Folks, this resurrection can free people from the addiction of drugs and alcohol. It can free people from bondage of, of bitterness and unforgiveness. It can, it's a resurrection in a time of crisis like we're having right now to put our homes and our relationships back together. Resurrection heals bad tempers and pride and arrogance. Folks, we're all coming out of this experience right now as changed people dead to the worldly passions and vices that we used to live. Let this be a time when you and I can resurrect. We are looking for resurrection. Folks, cemeteries are places of burial. Resurrection is a place of new life. In Acts 11, Peter explains that he could not forbid water, that the individuals that had the Holy Spirit were Gentiles who should be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. Behind me, we have a baptistry. It's full of water. And you see, you and I, in order to have a proper resurrection, we have to have a proper burial first. We are buried with Jesus through baptism, Romans 6 tells us. This morning, let me ask you a question. If you were resurrected right now, can you say, Lord, I was baptized into you. I had a proper burial, a water baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In Matthew 28, Matthew wrote the words of Christ. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will be with you even to the end of this world.
closing prayer, I wanted to read uh, an article uh, that was posted on Facebook this week, and I think it uh, has a lot of meaning uh, with where we are today. Uh, this is a conversation between Satan and um, Jesus Christ. Satan, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down business, schools, places of worship, sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. Jesus, I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I will bring dinner to dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me, not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. Let's close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message that Steve uh, sent us this morning about resurrection. Father, we need to resurrect or renew our love for you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. We need to put all of our trust in you, not on the world, not on worldly possessions. Father, we need to come to you when times are good, thanking you and praising you. When times are bad, we need to come to you knowing that you answer prayer. Always right beside us waiting for us to turn to you, to love you and obey your commands. We make that commitment right now, Father, to always love you and obey your commands. We ask a special blessing, Father, for your church at Heritage during these troubling times. People are afraid. They're uncertain of the future. Father, we want to take all of these cares and lay them at your feet, knowing that you will answer our prayer. This we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.